Lord, I thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to relate your word and what it's done to my spirit and soul and body, Lord. What your, how your word has affected me, I pray that I can express that clearly to others. I pray that um, your word would come forth and shine forth uh, outside of my words, Lord, that it would be first and foremost that my opinion uh, would not be counted today, but yours would be, and that it would be held with uh, the reverence that it deserves, and uh, that it would fill us with the joy that it deserves as well. Um, so be with us, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I love this topic. Um, it is something that as I uh, begin to disciple more and more people, I get, I, this is advantageous topic to speak about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, it served me. Um, because I learned a lot of this from my parents early on, and uh, it's given me a lot of good things. It's given me a good job, a good wife, and a good church. Um, uh, and uh, so, like, if you think uh, I didn't just read the Bible, I'm an, I'm an, I feel like an expert on making good decisions. I haven't made too many bad. Okay, I've made a few bad ones, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that also helps me to be an expert in it, I, I guess. Um, so I'm going to walk you through the process of making a good... So I was thinking maybe I'd call this making good decisions, um, but those don't always seem good to us necessarily in the time. So I decided something more accurate, more biblically accurate, is making kingdom-centered decisions. And that gets at the heart of, of the first thing. So if we can go to the outline slide, that'd be great. The first point you see is, I'm, I'm kind of breaking up the, the making kingdom-centered decisions into three parts here. Um, kingdom vision, and we're going to talk about why that's the key to all of this. All right, Josiah spoke last week about um, being intentional about our sanctification, and he said one of the key, perp like the key things there is purpose. Um, purpose, vision, intentionality, all of those are synonyms. Those are ways you can think about it. And what are we being purposeful about? The kingdom of God. Because what else is there more important than spreading God's kingdom and letting people see his glory? That's what the gospel is. That's what the whole Bible speaks about is God's people blessing all nations. Every time you hear uh, the covenant reiterated and clarified each time from eternity to Adam and Eve hearing you know, God's covenant to Moses, Noah, Abraham, Moses, all these people hearing God's covenant, it gets clearer and clearer. What does he want? He wants everyone to be blessed by him. And so it's a kingdom purpose. That's what we're living our lives for. And then we're going to talk about a discipleship model. Um, so the discipleship model and the delivery systems of grace, those are two aspects, two ways. Um, they're really similar ways. 
Uh, one's more like focused and, and one's just general God's grace to us. And these are how we apprehend God's vision, how we know God's vision. So I can tell you it's, you should have a kingdom vision that you should know God's purposes. Um, but then you're left with, well, what are they? <laughs> okay, I know I should, I should have a kingdom vision, but what is the vision of God's kingdom, you know? And we'll go into how you can know that. So again, this is, this is a topic close to heart because, you know, early on when I first came to GCF, it was through their campus ministry at Wright State. Um, and as a college student then, uh, being surrounded by college students, I can tell you a lot of people were, th- were faced with big life-changing decisions, and a lot of them made bad ones. And a lot of people have wasted a lot of time But the good news is, is even if you made some of those bad decisions and now you're, you know, living with them 10, 20 years later, you can start making good decisions. You're not bound to making bad decisions. One of the things uh, me and Christiana recently were talking about, um, for those who don't know, Christiana is my lovely wife. one of the things we've been talking about recently is there's a lot of Christian literature out there that assumes that you're coming from a place of the people before you made good decisions and you've made good decisions thus far. Here's how you make better decisions or continue making good decisions. It tells you how to live the Christian life in context of I've always made good choices. Um, but the truth is a lot of us are here from broken families because of bad decisions. Uh, a lot of us are here... Um, because we've hurt those we've loved. We're here because uh, we're broken, poor, and needy because of our bad choices, because of our sin. And so we, we start the Christian life from that point of making bad choices. And sanctification is learning how to use wisdom And when I say wisdom, maturity, and making good choices, those are all the same thing in my mind. So, if we go to Kingdom Vision slide, got a couple verses here to prove to you that it's the the center, the core of it. Um, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wisdom is the thing I'm talking about today, not, not necessarily just knowledge. Knowledge is a part of wisdom, but wisdom is, is making good choices, making kingdom-centered choices. Yes. So Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If that's not clear enough for you, then uh, get a pair of glasses. <laughs> That's, uh, that pretty much sums it up. The kingdom of God is the thing we should be seeking first and foremost. And everything will be added to you. If you're seeking the kingdom of God, work, a good job will be added to you. Healthy family, good relationships. Um, serving the Lord. All, the, all good things come from seeking God. Okay? Uh, 
if you want good things, you have to go to the source. You know, if you want water, you got to go to where the water is. <laughs> right? If you want fruit, you've got to go to a place where there is water. Kind of thing. So that's pretty clear. Seek first the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, um, and if you're thinking this is like just like for the super Christian to seek God or seek his kingdom, um, it's really for all of us. So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every Christian, whether you're 90 years old, 5 years old, um, really sinful or really sinful, uh, <laughs> you're created for a purpose. That's not a trite thing. Like, I, the most sickening thing to me, um, my parents instilled this into me, this idea that like we should all be seeking to do God's work. Um, if you go around in America today, you see a lot of churches where no one's doing the work of God. They're sitting around with their hands folded saying, I, it's good enough that I show up on Sunday. It's not good enough if you show up on Sunday. If you don't want to do the work of God, you don't really love God. It's a super big deal. We're all called to purpose. You know, John Piper's great with this, this topic. He, you know, he wrote a book called like, uh, Don't Waste Your Life. And there's a joke about one of, the, one of his quotes is like how, how we're all kind of in the back of our head planning on retirement so we can walk on the beach and collect seashells. If that's the God, if, if you can encounter God and all you want to do with your future is collect seashells, you have not encountered God. So, hopefully you guys are inspired. <laughs> you guys are full of wanting to follow God's vision and, and his kingdom purposes now. And uh, I'll tell you how. Or at least to the best I know, or I've seen how. What I've tried to model my life by. So we can go to a discipleship model slide. There should be discipleship model colon informational. So, to preface this, um, this model, I, I'm kind of gleaning it from 2 Timothy 3.10. Um, this is 2 Timothy from Paul, you know, his, his main disciple, his, his main squeeze, his guy that he's poured his life and heart into. And uh, it says, you, however, having followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and steadfastness. So I want to focus on those first three. My teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. So the first thing we're going to look at is teaching or informational discipleship. This is a foundation. If you don't know something, you can't do it. Okay? <laughs> like, the idea here is, is wisdom and knowledge. Um, Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied, okay? So if you don't have knowledge, you cannot apply it to something, okay? 
I heard someone once reference that like knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are fruit. Wisdom is not adding it to fruit salad. Okay. That's like, you know, and, but if you don't even know what a tomato is, you might throw it in with your fruit salad and it's going to taste awful. I don't like tomatoes that much anyway, so. (laughs) You need to know things before you can use wisdom. And so this is where a lot of Christians um, get this part at least. So when they're decision making, they're like, does the Bible have an answer for this exact situation? This is what we're talking about. What is didactic? What is clear, explicit? What has the Bible said yes and no about? Do this, don't do this. You know, this is like, uh, like if you say we can, like if the Bible doesn't mention electric guitars, we can't have it on Sunday. <laughs> like that's the, you know, the, that's as far as they take it. They think everything has to be very explicit, very like God has a, a, an answer just for this. And I'll tell you, there's so many different situations in life. If you expected a didactic teaching, an explicit, explicit teaching on every single situation. Um, If you thought the Bible was already a thick book, the books in this world could not contain how many teachings we would need to get through life based on just information. Look at YouTube's full of information. I could challenge you with, if you had three computers, you still wouldn't be able to watch all of the YouTube videos in your lifetime. That's how much information's out there. Tons of information. So if, you, if all you want is information, that's, that's not enough. But it is a starting point. You need to know what God said yes and no about. That's the easy part. If you don't know the easy part, it's going to be really tough for these next two parts. So, informational. Acts 17.11 says, Now these Jews were n- more noble than those in Thessalonica... They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. It's a noble thing to read the Bible with eagerness. And I'd like to also, like, if you want to know that knowledge is important, read all of Proverbs. I've listed a few here that go to show you. We're not even going to read them because there's so many references in in the Bible to say you need to seek knowledge. You need to know things. You can't, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will get you dead. Ignorance will leave you where you are, broken and poor. Because what we're seeking is knowledge of God. And that's, that's joy. Repentance comes, you know, Greg was talking about joy and how that comes from repentance. Um, and then there's a scripture verse that says that uh, grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? What's that mean? It means the more you know about your sin, the more you know God's grace. So you should know how much you sin. You should know your sinfulness because then you can know God's grace. And so everyone, I, you know, the, more mature people I know, they don't necessarily sin more, but they definitely think and consider their sin a lot more. 
And because of that, they've been able to walk in a lot more grace. They live in, in grief that leads to zeal, not grief that leads to death. So Proverbs 1.5 talks about this. Proverbs 1.7, 2.10, all of chapter 3, 8.10, 18.15. Like, I sat last night going through these and listening, and eventually I said, I'm not going to read most of these or any of them because there's just too many. They can read it on their own if they really want to make good kingdom-centered decisions. But I will read Proverbs 12.1 because I love this and it really, uh, I think it's impactful. And uh, it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is, this is the ESV, yeah, stupid. I don't want to be stupid. So I love discipline. So, the next point, and I'm going to start moving through these a little quicker. Formational. So, this is discipleship model I'm talking about is like, this is something where you have a more mature Christian discipling you and informing you about these things. So, informational is like, if a discipler tells you to read a book, you should read it. If a discipler says you should get a Bible reading program going where you read the Bible consistently, you should do it. If a discipler tells you to memorize scripture, you should do it. Because that's the starting point. You're not going to grow in the Lord unless you can start with information. Then formation will come. Um, the way I sum this up is, you know, the first part was you followed my teaching and then you followed my, my conduct, okay? This is conduct. This is how we, rubber hits the road. This is how we take our information and apply it to our lives. So it's an example to follow. And the Bible's full of commands to do this as well, to find a mature Christian and to follow their example. Okay, and there is always a more mature Christian to follow their example. Always. Yes. Greg Weiss is a disciple of, is he 93 now? Right now I just turned 91. 91. He just, right now just turned 91, and Greg follows his example all the time. Okay, there's always a more mature Christian to follow, and if you can't find him, go look for him. It's not you. <laughs> but you can't be that to someone else you can be the more mature Christian to someone else so I encourage you that if you feel unprepared to disciple someone that's a good goal to hit you should want to be mature enough to pour into someone else's life because otherwise you're leaving them in the dark that's, that's a good work a good work is discipling someone Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, for neglecting, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Saying we should encourage each other. We should give each other examples to stir each other up. Some of the time I did the most growth in my life was when I was living with five Christian brothers. 
And in a way, it's a weird way, it feels like competition, but it's not. It's stirring each other on. It's stirring each other up. You know, if I, if I see one brother reading his Bible every night, and I'm sitting there like, ugh, he's some self-righteous guy. And it's like, no, I should be reading my Bible. Maybe I should do that. But if you're not going to church... You know, it's great to watch on a video cast, and, and I understand these, you know, this time is, is difficult and it makes us make hard decisions, but a kingdom-centered decision is I'm not going to give up my life, my spiritual life. Community is so important, it's worth your physical life. There are Christians in China not only facing the coronavirus, but they're facing literal physical persecution where people are trying to physically kill them. There's not just a chance of death. People are seeking them out to kill them. This is happening all over the world, and yet they still meet together. They don't video cast. Okay? It's a blessing that we can do that, but it is not a substitute for meeting together. Philippians 3.17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. James 5 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You don't just need to follow the example of the more mature Christian uh, in front of you. You need to follow the prophets' example. You need to be like Elijah, Elisha. You need to be like Paul. They've set an example for us to follow. So the next slide is impartational. And this is something that, you know, information you can apprehend, you can go out and get. Um, formational is an example you can follow, but impartational is, is something you're given. And it's a sweet gift that you're given when you spend a lot of time with someone. It's something you can't go out and get by yourself. It's not, there is no rogue person who receives an impartation of God's Holy Spirit. It always comes from a more mature person. Romans 1, 11 through 12 says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Second Timothy 1, 6 through 7 says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I've been reflecting a lot lately about anointing, so impartation and anointing are really a similar thing, okay? I, I haven't thought about it enough to say they're exactly synonyms, but they're very closely related. An anointing is, it's an approval from God. So, Mark 16 at the end talks about signs and wonders that will accompany 
the gospel, the message that we're all called to go out and preach. And he said, those signs and wonders will accompany it to confirm my message. And that's what anointing is. It's a confirmation of of God's approval. And so when, for instance, when Saul was anointed king, it was a confirmation from from Samuel. He was saying, God has put his stamp of approval on you. And so you're not some king that got, you know, rose to power because you were particularly violent or particularly charismatic. You rose to kingship because God chose you and approved of you. And because of that, he walked in a lot more power and wisdom than most kings, at least while he had God's approval, because then it says God removed his spirit from him. And guess what happened? He stopped making good choices. He tried to kill his best soldier (laughs) a lot of times. He didn't listen to God's word because God removed his approval from him. So really, this is like something we should all really want. We should want to be have, have that vision. This is where the vision part comes in. You can't really get a vision until like you get that imparted from someone. It's someone's heart. It's someone's core of who they are. If you're a disciple and you understand why someone does something, that's a big deal. Um, this, there's an example here of, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the classical education curriculum or whatever. Um, they kind of go based on these three categories. Early on in life, it's memorization and reciting. So like you're just information, right? And then they say, okay, they, they're going to get more advanced and they're going to learn um, why something works. You know, how do we do the thing? How do, we, how do we take this information and apply it to life? Okay? And so they learn to do that. But then they learn the heart, the why do we care how this is applied. And that's the last stage. Right? So it's a wonderful picture of what I'm trying to say here is information, formational, and then impartational. You need to get the why. Why does God want to advance his kingdom? Not just he wants it. Great, we've all got that information. How does he do it? That's formational. We'll learn that, right? How does he do it? He does it through his delivery systems of grace, his word, his church, and his spirit, right? But why? Why does he want to advance his kingdom? And there's something there that that's information that My dad, when I was young, he expressed knowing you're a Christian as saying, you know that you know that you know. And that's, that's a type of knowing that is like, you can't really explain it to someone else. You can't teach them it. You can't show it as an example to someone It's something that has to be given to you. And that's given to you by God's spirit. 
And so you know that you know that you know. And that's the way we, the really on fire people, know that they know that they know God's purposes and his vision for the world. That's something that can only be touched by experiencing God himself and his presence. And that's something, you know, information comes and goes. We forget things. We, uh, we grow old and, and senile. <laughs> um, conduct is something that we wax and wane in. You know, we, we falter in that. But having a vision imparted to you is something that's unshakable. I knew a, a guy once, I was uh, visiting a church, and the man that had started the church at this point um, had dementia, right? Um, but he would regularly come up at random points in the service or, you know, at random services and things like that. And he just, he preached the gospel. And everyone was okay with it. They, they stopped the service and let him preach because it was God's vision for his kingdom that he was preaching. When everything else had left his mind, God's purposes still came through. And that's what we have to look forward to. If you seek diligently to have God's vision imparted to you, if you find a mature Christian who's on fire for the Lord and has a plan and a purpose that they're following God in, and you seek them out and you you want to know their heart. The Lord will show it to you. And the foxes in the vineyard will not steal it. So, moving on to the last slide, delivery systems of grace. And uh, this is this is God's way of, of, so the one's discipleship, this is a really focused thing. You find a discipler and you get those things. You know, they're, they're very similar. They're similar in, in the ways that you learn God's kingdom vision, but one's more focused. You have a discipler that you follow and the other's common grace to every believer, right? Whether you have a discipler or not, you have access to the word. And so one of the ways God gives you information through the word is, you know, by reading it, by memorizing scripture. He also gives us grace through his church, um, through church leadership. That's a grace to you. That is a, that is a heavy weight to carry because they'll have to answer to God for your, your soul. And so when you look at a leader, you shouldn't be like, who are they to tell me what to do? Who are they to, you know, push me around, tell me what food to eat or, you know, like uh, whatever. It is. They're your shepherd. They're looking out for you. The sheep doesn't ask, why are you leading me to this field? Because they weren't 
they weren't um, equipped enough to go out and get food on their own. They wouldn't make it without the shepherd. That's a lofty thing, and, the, and God's put that grace in our lives that we have church leadership, and we don't have to do it on our own. That when we are wounded, we can go to someone more mature, and, and they'll, they'll pray with us. They'll pray for us. They'll pray over us. There's also just the grace of brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, I talked about living in a single brother's household. The reason we do that is if living on your own is awful. When you live alone, you are left with your own thoughts. That's a scary thing. <laughs> you are left alone out of the light and in darkness, no one to hold you accountable. And so we encourage single brothers and single sisters who are, you know, out of their parents' houses to live with each other and do community in a real rubber meets the road kind of way. Yes. And that's been a grace in our lives. You know, everyone who's been a household head of a singles household, almost everyone, in the last, we've had three weddings in the last year, and they were all, all the people were heads of households. <laughs> you want to get prepared for a wedding? To get married? Try it out on, on single brothers first. They're, if you can live in a household of five single brothers and keep it clean, <laughs> then you're ready to get married. If you can resolve conflict with people who are raised in totally different backgrounds than you and not grow bitter to them, towards them, then you might be ready to get married. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, the, the single brother's household taught me a lot. That's the grace of God. And there's also the spirit. Um, this is why... Being baptized in the Spirit is such a key here, and it's something that I will fight for until I'm dead. It's a part of my vision, is God's grace to anoint us in power, to clothe us in power. You know, when you're dying, the last things you say are the most important things, and the, one of the last things Christ said before he ascended into heaven was, wait in Jerusalem until I clothe you with power from on high. And so it was clearly important to Jesus. It should be clearly important to us, right? I don't care how gifted of a speaker you are, how um, gifted you are at discipleship or in, uh, you know, you could have the best worship team up here skill-wise and worship wouldn't do anything for us if they were not anointed, if they were not approved by God, if they weren't walking in the spirit. And so, again, you need all three of these. You need, you need information. You need, like, you need the word, the church, and the spirit. Because if you just had the word, all you'd get is the informational part, okay? You're not going to get the formational or the, the impartational. If you just had the church, you're not going to get any good information. You're going to be relying on man's word. That's not good information, and you're not going to get impartation. You're not going to get vision from men. Men don't give vision. Men's visions don't last very long. 
That's why Christianity has survived 2,000 years and nations never last that long. Because nations are built on man's vision. The Christian nation is built on God's vision. And that surpasses man. And if you just had the Spirit, how are you to know what God's voice sounds like? You know, I, I hear Christians, you know, on one end you get, you get like these uppity, stuffy theologians who are like, all I need is the Word of God and I can get through life, and they're, they're dead. They accomplish nothing more for God than maybe teaching a few uh, cemetery classes and write, maybe writing a book that's really dry and hard to read. That's not a lot of accomplishment. And then there's people on the other end who are like, just follow the Spirit, brother. That's all you need is the Spirit's guidance. We don't need to know the Word or not. And they're out here saying that God told them to... There's a guy arrested in Russia because like, he thought God told him to like, kill people. You know? Like that, that's what, you know, just following the Spirit, brother, it leads you to. You need to know what God's clearly said do and do not do. You need to know God's ways before you can know, like, hear his voice. How do you know this vision is from God if you don't know his voice? And so all these things work together, and they're very important. And I'd encourage you to, one, get discipleship. You know, the leaders here bend over backwards to disciple people one-on-one regularly. There are people I know who have three or four meetings a night and their whole evening isn't spent catching up on the Mandalorian or whatever. It's spent pouring into people's lives because they know that it's more important than their own life, right? If I, that's how we multiply. So we've gone to great lengths so that people can be discipled one-on-one regularly, and seek the information from your discipler. Seek to follow their example, their conduct, their way of life. You know, I, I had, uh, me and Christian had a, a wonderful idea to get rid of our TV, not because that just came out of nowhere, but because other mature believers didn't have TVs in their houses. Right? I can't tell you how many times I've read a book because a Christian brother said it was a good book to read. Seek that from your disciples. Seek to follow their way of life. Do they wake up early? You know, do they work hard? Do they have a budget? What are their finances like? Follow their example in that. You know, there's nothing in scripture that says budget, get a budget. Use Excel for a budget sheet. There's nothing in scripture about that. There's no information about that. But you can follow someone's example. And I tell you what, the people with budgets are so much more free to be generous than the people who don't have budgets. The best tithers in this church are the leaders. The people who are discipling. And unless you're ready to follow their example in tithing, You know, have you gotten it? Have you gotten the idea? And then impartational. 
Your life is full of purpose. Full of purpose. There's so much reason to be and to do for God out there. And if that hasn't struck your heart yet, then you don't know your discipler well enough. I'm going to... Christiana, my greatest delight in her, God's greatest gift that he gave me in her, was that she knows my heart. She knows my heart. She doesn't just know that I like something. She knows why I like something or don't like something. She goes out of her way to be... to walk alongside me in my heart, my purposes, my vision. You know, the the people whose marriage is full of bickering and dispute are people who don't understand each other's vision. Christiana, I could say we're moving across the world and I can't tell you why. And she would do it because she knows my purposes are good. And I'm following the Lord. She will follow me to the ends of the earth, and I know it. And that has been a comfort and a joy to me that surpasses any other relationship I've ever had, even with the single brothers. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> but that, that's something to seek. You want a healthy marriage? Get someone who knows your heart. It doesn't matter whether they know the same stuff you know. Christiana knows more about the Bible than I know. That doesn't threaten me. You know, our conduct, you know, there's certain parts of our conduct that's different, you know, like the ways we do things. But that that hasn't caused friction in our marriage because our vision's the same. And when your vision's the same, you go from being out here to being on the same page. And if you want to be on the same page with God, you need to know his heart. If you want to be on the same page with your church, with your discipler, you need to know their heart. Why would you be a part of a church that you don't know their purpose? What's their vision? There's a reason there's always a mission statement on a church website. It's not a new or novel thing. Each church has a vision that God's instilled in them, hopefully. And those are the ones that last and make an impact in the world. If we're just putzing around, doing nothing with no purpose, no one gets set free. Nothing changes. We still will still live in a culture where we murder our babies if there's not a purpose or a mission and a vision. And God's vision is life and life abundant and to set people free. And you need to know your church's vision. And if you want to know your church's vision, asking the leaders is probably a really great place to start. So have that imparted to you. Um, That's all I've got to share. So Andres, can you please come up and share communion with us?